Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at Shopify.com slash offer twenty-two. Shopify.com slash offer twenty-two. This episode is sponsored by FX's Kindred, the original series only on Hulu. Based on Octavia E. Butler's best-selling novel, FX's Kindred centers on Dana James, a young black woman and aspiring writer. Dana begins to settle into her new home in Los Angeles and is violently pulled back and forth in time. She emerges at a 19th century plantation and is confronted with secrets she never knew ran through her blood. FX's Kindred, all episodes now streaming only on Hulu. Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. For Nathan Marzion, today is our guy, Kyle Madsen, 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. And uh, Nathan Marzion with the night off as we get ready for Bucks and Warriors coming up on Tuesday night as we record this on Monday afternoon. File. Follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle A. Madsen. See Sparky Pfeiffer with you from 1250 AM, The Fan. Uh, so, Kyle, first things first. Normally, back in the day when I had shows on SSP and we had a staff of people, uh, we would, you know, split shows. You'd give us a show and we'd simulcast shows together and all that stuff. But yeah. you yourself were never on really any of our shows per se. So this is the first time really where we get the true interaction of going back and forth, right? Is that right? Or we yeah. the day madness yeah. with me at some point. No, I guess that's right. Uh, we've we've interacted a lot setting up those simulcasts, yeah. and we've talked Christmas trees, lots of Christmas text. trees. My, I have added another one this year, so we are at fifteen this year in the house. We are at seven in the living room, five full size Christmas trees. We added a flock pink tree for our baby Tatum Grace, who's four months old. So that oh, is now in the living room, and then we got a couple four foot trees in the living room. So yeah. That's where we're uh, at on that. As somebody who uh, loves to soak in the holiday season, yeah, this is that sounds like a little slice of heaven to me, dude. That's awesome. This, I mean, you <laughs> sit in the living room, got all these Christmas trees and the lights on. We have no lamps, no lights. The only light that we have are the Christmas trees. That is the only light we have, Kyle. That that is what we live by. And now this year, for the first time in several years, we're getting to host Christmas Eve for oh. uh the family so my brother and his two kids are coming over with his wife and my mom is coming over and uh yeah should be fun outstanding that sounds like a great time yeah absolutely i'll be so, yeah there. so we've, we've talked wait. off the air but we've never got to do anything on the air so yeah. uh, here is the opportunity for us to get down and see where our opinions are on the nba as the box and warriors get to play out uh i uh at the beginning of the year before the season started, pick Golden State and the Bucks in the NBA Finals before the season started on this podcast. That was my pick. I think Golden State is loaded. I figured it would just take time for Clay Thompson to figure things out um, and get back to doing what he did. I figured it would take time for these young guys to come around. 
and I, I think you're starting to see that Wiseman now finally getting a chance to come back here a little bit. Uh, your thoughts, I guess, on the Warriors, what they've looked like, I guess, to start the season and kind of what they look like now getting ready to play the Bucks Tuesday night. So they're better now than they were at the start of the year. Like I think For when sure. you look at their when you look at their record, were they 15 and 14 or 14 and 13 now? Whatever they are, they're a game over. And I think so much of that early in the year was a combination of a few things. One, just the championship hangover. Like they had they won a title and then four months later they're back playing basketball. Yep. There's Clay Thompson, who you mentioned, didn't play at all in the offseason. So he's basically getting a training camp and a preseason in in NBA games. They're trying to work in the Ty Jeromes of the world and the Anthony Lambs of the world. And then, of course, James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga and Moses. Kaminga's coming around. Yeah, Yeah. Kaminga can play. Kaminga's good. Mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of what they were waiting on because I think they went into this year, and I think a lot of Warriors fans went into this year thinking, okay, Kaminga and Moody and Wiseman will have it figured out, and they're going to contribute right away, and that just wasn't the case. So the Warriors had five guys they could play. They're starters with Klay Thompson struggling, but then you had Jordan Poole struggling. And so this player that you paid and you were going to rely on is not playing well on top of the fact that these young players that they had weren't playing well. And now they're leaning on, like I said, Ty Jerome and Anthony lamb on top of <laughs> Steph and Draymond and clay kind of going through the motions and knowing early in the year, Hey, it's October. Like doesn't not matter. locked in yet. Yep. Right. It doesn't matter. So now they're in a spot where, all right, they were at 500 in mid December. And Draymond said like they had a, the veterans had to talk with the younger guys and like, now it's time to lock it. Now it's time to start stacking wins. And sure enough, they go out against the Celtics on national TV and smoked them. Yep. Which I, I was not, I was not ready. I thought, okay, maybe they can win. I think the Celtics were only favored by a couple points, but it's like, yeah, they, they could pull this out, but there was never a point in that game. I thought they were going to lose. And the contrast between that and the team we were watching a month ago, four weeks ago, it is just so stark. And now I think they're that team that you talked about, like before the year, it's like, okay, Jonathan Kaminga's solidly in the rotation brings a lot of defensive versatility. He's doing the right things on offense now, which was a big deal. Steph Curry's playing at an MVP level. Jordan Poole's starting to get his swagger back a little bit. Draymond Green's playing really well. And now you kind of start to see the foundation of a team that can actually contend uh, start to be built a little bit. Yeah, I I think that's pretty much spot on. Now you had some of the drama that obviously has gone with all of this with Draymond uh, and Jordan Poole and all of that. So how how did that play out locally? Because obviously from this side, from where we are, I can't stand Draymond. So <laughs> when I saw it, I was just like, well, this comes with having that dude. Like, I'm sure this probably isn't the first time. Might have been the first time I got out publicly. But I bet you it's probably not the first time that there's been an altercation between Draymond and a player while Draymond's been in Golden State. That's who this guy is. Like, he plays on the edge. That's kind of what his personality is. And... When you get a guy like that with that competitive fire in how he goes about his business, stuff like that's going to happen. Michael Jordan punched a guy. I mean that 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 Where's type coach? of stuff. That that's right. That that type of stuff is going to occur. But the key is when Michael Jordan does it, everybody knows he's Michael freaking Jordan. Okay, Draymond Green, who, as I've said numerous times, I don't like. Who I think is you know the most expensive role player in the NBA is a guy that isn't Steph, 
right? He's not mm-hmm. the guy on that team. He's not Durant. He's not Giannis. He's that secondary complementary piece, but mm-hmm. he is probably the leader or one of the main leaders on that team. And that's probably how you get around him doing what he did. Yeah. That was the big kind of question though, going in is okay. So Draymond, so, so the way this played out over here, I was on, I was on BART, our, our yep. transit system. Yep. And I see the TMZ report that Draymond Green punched a teammate. And it's like, he punt, like punt, hit him like all physical altercation, like to what extent? And then the video comes out and it's like, oh, this is bad. This goes beyond a pushing and shoving match or, you know, a swing and, and, you know, didn't make contact with those. Like, no, he, he cold cocked a teammate in the face and one of the, his young teammates that's yep. supposed to be the next guy for the Warriors. And I think he lost a lot of goodwill in the locker room. Just all the reporting coming out was there was this iciness around Draymond Green. And the the concern was with the Warriors, and I think this also played to some of their struggles early in the year, was he was their, their the, the heartbeat, quote-unquote. Like, yes, Clay's a better player. Steph's a better player. They've had so many better players than Draymond Green. But what he does for them just with schematically defensively and offensively is, is, you know, different conversation, but just emotionally. Yeah. Was it mattered and it might not matter in October or November, but you know, there, there were the game two against the Celtics in the finals. Draymond green catalyzed the Warriors win first possession. He just gets on the ball on Al Horford and steals it from Al Horford and just sets the tone that way. But the flip side of that is what you said. Like, he's always walked that line. Okay, he's going to get teed up. Okay, he's going to yell at a teammate. Okay, he's going to have his altercation with Durant on the court against the Clippers. He's going to get into it with Steve Kerr in the locker room in Oklahoma City. And he'd always walk the line. But when he swung at Jordan Poole and punched Jordan Poole in the face, it became like, oh, he's not walking that line anymore. He's now gone overboard. Yep. This is no longer acceptable. You can walk right up to the line, but as soon as you cross it, it's it doesn't work anymore and you could tell in, in the pressers Kerr didn't have his back Steph didn't have his back Clay didn't have his back nobody nobody was on board with like ah, it's Draymond being Draymond it was like no this is bad and it might alter the the course of Draymond's career moving forward the question for the Warriors this year was can they get over that and can they allow Draymond to get back into that emotional leadership role for a title run or for for a a push for a title right and I didn't think they'd be able to, especially with the way the season started. But over the last couple of weeks, they had a team meeting. Jamichael Green said they aired out some things that needed to be aired out. And they said some things that needed to be said that hadn't been said yet. And that had to do, they, they, what only really got out was Clay and the shots he was taking because his shot selection was abysmal early in the year. Uh-huh. But I think there was And he something... wasn't hitting them. That's what made it worse. R- correct. Yeah, he was shooting a poor percentage on low percentage shots. Like, right. you can't do that. So I think that there was definitely some Draymond Jordan Poole stuff in there too because ever since then, there's been a little bit of a uh, a, a switch that's flipped. And they had a bad loss in Utah when when the vets were sitting and, um, you know, you, you, you don't love that, but... Are they a championship caliber team right now? No, but they're heading that direction. And I think it's in part because Draymond Green's kind of reestablishing himself in that leadership role that he had 
whether that continues beyond this season, I don't know, but the Warriors need him to be there if they're going to contend. So that's the thing, right? And I, I, I listened to you guys on and off during that whole thing, just kind of see what the feel was out there. Mm -hmm. Did anybody bring up the fact that this all happened because Draymond is probably concerned he's not going to get taken care of again by Golden State? Like, yes. This is probably the end of the run. Got this young dude flaunting around, saying how he's rolling in it now, and everything else got taken care of. And Draymond, the vet that's done so much, feels like he's owed to get paid one more time by Golden State. And that's what led to that. If Draymond had already been paid, Draymond would not have cared about what Poole was doing, would not have bothered him in the least. But because he wasn't and he was frustrated by his own contract situation, he took it out on the kid from Milwaukee. Yeah, 100%. That I think that's what it was. They swear up and down that that's not what it was, but that has to be, that has to play a role. Like, there's no way Jordan Poole said something so egregious to Draymond Green that Draymond Green swung on him, unless it had to do with like, like guys always talk about their pockets. Like, don't count another man's pockets. I'm not worried about another man's pockets. Like, that, that to me has to play some kind of role. Whether it was something Poole directly said or whether that was just a building tension, like, that's, some of the reporting out here has been around like this, this, this push and pull between the vets and the young players and how last year it was the vets really pulling the young players along. Well, now it's starting to kind of shift the other way a little bit. So and, how does this end then? So I mean, based on what you're hmm. saying, again, Bucks fan talking to a guy that talks about golden state, you know, all the time, Kyle Matson mm -hmm. from 95, seven, the game in San Francisco. So does this end with them trading him? Does this end with them just letting him walk away at some point? Like, because if you if you train him at the deadline, and if he is truly the heartbeat of this team, that is going to just screw everything right. up right. going into the playoffs if you trade him. And while I don't like him, he is perfect for what they need. The right. nitty-gritty, dirty guy to get the rebounds, the sheriff to make sure nobody screws with Steph or anybody and step in the way of anybody, you know, trying to punk anybody on that team. The guy that's going to make unbelievably great passes at the right time, outlet passes or whatever the case may be. Like he fits what they need. But as I've stated numerous times, he's not worth what they're paying him, but he is for what he does within that team. But if right. you take them away and go, go in a game, he's shown time and time again, he can't. He doesn't have the offensive skills to get the job done. He's not that guy. He's never going to be that guy. So, he probably understands that, okay, Golden State doesn't pay me. I ain't going to get paid by anybody else either, more than likely. And I'm screwed. At this point, this is going to be it. So that's, for me, if I'm Golden State, I kind of just, I think I just let him walk. As, as bad a business as that is, you probably should trade the guy and get something in return and not just let him walk away for nothing. But I kind of feel like that's probably the best play if you're trying to win a championship on the way out. So I don't think they're going to trade him this year. I just don't. A, I don't know what they would get back for him. And B, I think they think that they can win a championship again. And I don't think they can do that sans Draymond. Particularly because, like I said, I don't know what you're getting back for him. And is what you're going to get back for him going to help offset the loss of him? Because so much of, like, this is one of the big things with Kaminga and, and James Wiseman and why James Wiseman is down in the G League affiliate in Santa Cruz and why Moses Moody isn't in the rotation currently is because Jonathan Kaminga has figured out how to play with Steph. And that's the big deal. It's like, can you play with Steph? And Draymond Green plays with Steph better than anybody. And you you just laid it out perfectly. If Draymond Green hit the open market tomorrow, he's not getting half of what he gets from Golden State. No chance. 
And I think honestly, the only team that would be willing to to take him on right now is probably the Lakers with LeBron because LeBron is the only person that can kind of, uh, I guess I don't want to say rein him in. That's not but what I'm looking for. Even they but... don't make sense because they have no shooters. Right. And that's right. a problem right. there too. You got to put him with a team that's got shooters that where he can be inside and dishing those outlet guys. And that's where he's got to be. So you got to find a that, team with guys that can shoot the basketball around him, And that gives LeBron too much team building credit. I think that he was Houston. That. <laughs> I mean, does Houston I, make sense to be a, a guy that walks in the locker room and tries to show these young guys how to win but and that, but him and John it. Lucas get are down together. Guys, are those guys going to take him seriously now after punching Jordan Pool? Well, like, they'd be scared my, of him. My, 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 Co-host for the 49ers podcast I host is now the Kings beat writer, the Sacramento Kings beat writer. Oh, that's my and second team right now, buddy. Dude, the Kings there's are so a lot fun, of bro. Kings love I, out here in Wisconsin right now. I'll tell you that much. I broke into uh, oh. radio with the Kings flagship and was there for a lot of years. So Sack time I have this sports? weird soft spot. Uh, that's that's the one. Yeah, my I, buddy, Rami Makhlouf, who did afternoons here, is their afternoon oh, guy now. okay. Cattles okay, very and Rami, good. yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah. So, so that's where I worked for a long time before coming to 95, seven. And so I have this soft spot in my, in my, in my heart for the Kings. So shout out to them. They're playing but well. Chris, Chris, my, my co-host brought up, he goes, the Kings could use Draymond. And I think that's right to an extent, but I'm imagining a scenario where Draymond, which like you said, he's done all these great things with golden state, but in a vacuum, he's just like, he's a good, he's a plus defender, a plus plus defender. He can't shoot. He like he's he's doing better finishing around the rim this year. He's been more aggressive there. But like, is he going to go in and try and tell De'Aaron Fox what's good? Like, no. And then chance. you're going to have him and Sabonis who both can't shoot outside, both right. inside clogging the middle. <laughs> Hell right. no. Right. Like like it just it, it was, right. So there's there's just like the fit isn't there for for him with a lot of teams. Do teams want him? Would they take him seriously? Like he poses all sorts of issues now. Yep. So I just I don't know where his where his future lies. And that's why I think if you're the Warriors and things go well this year, you tell him like, all right, opt into your 27 million next year and we'll work something out, you know, after that. But I don't think there's any incentive like Draymond floated this offseason that he wanted a max extension, which for him, the raise the raise wouldn't be crazy. But it's like, what's the incentive for the Warriors to do that outside of like a thanks? There, there's not one. there's not one because he's not going to get it elsewhere. That's just bad business. So Correct. I think they they let him opt in or maybe he wops out like maybe this season goes poorly and he's like, I'm done here. Like my time in Golden State was great, but I'm done. And he goes and tries to to finish his career somewhere else. But um, as far as what Golden State does, I think they just sit on their hands and like, dude, balls in your court. Like, go win your teammates over and we'll talk about it. Yeah, I think that's exactly how it has to be at this point. No question. Of the young guys on that team, is Kaminga going to be the best one? Yes. Like, he has the most talent, for sure. James Wiseman, just the feel isn't there. Like, I just don't... You know when you watch when you watch a, an athlete and you just kind of wonder, like, how many... You can tell James Wiseman hasn't played a lot of games. Like, there's just certain, like, feel, like, like I want, I don't like the 49ers with Brock Purdy yesterday. Brock Purdy's played a ton of football in his life. And you could tell when he was in the pocket and the way he was moving, it's like, oh, that guy's just played a lot of football. Like he just he just kind of gets it. James Wiseman's the opposite. So he has a huge learning curve. Moses Moody, like I said, can't crack the rotation. I think he'll eventually kind of be a rotation three and D guy. Right. But Jonathan Gamiga can, can hope, man. And he's starting to pass the ball. He's starting to be more aggressive offensively. Defensively, he did a really good job on on Luca when they played the Mavs. He was guarding 
Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum the other night against the Celtics and having a little success. So if he can turn into that kind of switchable wing defender who can stand in the dunker spot on offense and, and hammer down putbacks and alley-oops, then I think he's going to be a very, very good player. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So the Warriors in the West, I told you that was my pick prior to the year. Now, as you sit back and you look at the West, the team that I picked last year and Murray never really came back was Denver. Right? Cause I thought Murray would be back at some point. He really never got back. Uh, mm-hmm. Denver is a team I still think is loaded. Uh, it can be a real problem here uh, in the West mm-hmm. once we get to the playoffs, providing everybody is healthy um, in, in doing what they can. I, I don't know how many other teams I look at and truly buy into at this point. I'm not on the Suns bandwagon. Can't get myself on the Suns bandwagon. They just aren't physically tough enough, mentally tough enough. There's just not a lot that I kind of get into with the Phoenix Suns. Me neither. Then there's the Zion team, right, that everybody wants to talk about, uh, about how good Zion is. But can Zion stay healthy? Can he still be playing in the playoffs? Like, that's the thing. I mean, we can get all excited in December that Zion looks good and the Pelicans are playing well, but will they still be healthy and playing well come the playoffs? And it's a horrible thing to say about it, dude, but that's kind of where we are with his career. Like, he has to prove that he can stay on the floor before everybody can get all excited that he's going to be that guy at the end of the day. So what does it look like out west for you? I I know that this is probably sacrilege to say as a Warriors guy, but... I really like what the Grizzlies do. I think the Grizzlies just play a brand of basketball that is a super fun, but B like their pieces are just, they have good wing depth. They have good size. And those bigs like Jaron Jackson jr. Can stretch the floor a little bit. Uh, John Morant is a bona fide one. I think I, I just, if this was the year, the Grizzlies took a leap and went to the finals. It wouldn't shock me at all. Like they were close last year. And they played the Warriors really tough, even without Jaw. But I think that that was just part of the learning process. Like the Warriors lost before their their run that started in 2015. They lost to the uh, the Spurs in six games, and then they lost to the Clippers the following year in seven games, and got knocked out of the playoffs early. And I think just those learning experiences matter a lot. And I think sure. the, I think the Grizzlies learned a lot last year uh, playing against Golden State. So I, I'm with you on the Pelicans too. Like. I just got to see it with Zion. Like, I'm not going to say no, but if Zion's not playing, I'm not buying the Pelicans. So get me, get me Zion in March. And then we yeah, get Memphis him. is a fun we'll team. I love their head coach. He's a former assistant under bud back in the day mm. um, with Atlanta and with Milwaukee. Uh, big fan of his Taylor Jenkins. Is that his name? I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he's a really good coach uh, and I like Memphis a lot too. Um, oh, Desmond why- Bain too. Desmond yeah. Bain can play. Yeah, he can play. Yeah, no doubt. So that's the West. Let's look at the Easter Conference right now. I think a majority of people say it's Bucks, Celtics, and everybody else kind of in where the East is. Having said that, I think the East is getting better, you know, year mm-hmm. by year here. I mean, Cleveland looks like they're getting better uh, for sure. Atlanta is still going to have a Trey Young, uh, and they're going to present their issues as well. They can get themselves back into the playoffs again. You know, the Bulls probably look like they've taken a step back. I don't know what's going to happen there. I think Detroit is on their way. They had a great offseason, and we'll see how that plays out uh, with the Pistons kind of moving forward. And then, of course, Philadelphia, who I'm sorry. Like, Joel Embiid and Harden, fine, <laughs> great. But Harden in, the play- Harden in the playoffs, that doesn't usually work well. And Doc Rivers in the playoffs, outside of one run with Boston, that normally doesn't work well with Doc in the playoffs yeah. either. So it's hard for me to get up for Philly. Like, oh, boy, Philly's going to be a problem. 
when history says they have a couple guys on that team that aren't exactly great in the playoffs. No, that's uh, yeah, you're right. But I think there's part of me that just really likes Joel Embiid and just wants to ride the Joel Embiid trade. And just would it would it shock you if Joel Embiid just went supernova for two rounds and averaged like 40 and 15? I think I would like to see what Joel Embiid could do against Brooke Lopez that whole time. Because like right now, Mm, Brooke Lopez is unbelievable defensively blocking shots, rebounding like he is doing everything that you could possibly want a guy to do. Now, that is a guy who I've been talking about being perfect for the Kings. You know, Brooke Lopez, a mm. rim defender, a guy that can shoot the three and stretch the floor to give Sabonis some room to work and help block shots because Sabonis, I mean, he's getting better. He's got a couple blocks uh, in the last week or so. But mm-hmm. overall, that's the guy that they really could use in Sacramento more than more so than for sure than Draymond freaking green at this point. Uh, <laughs> but that, that to me, that's the matchup. Brooke Lopez against him. And then you can rotate Giannis in as well to give Brooke Lopez a break to kind of try and help Joel a guard against Joel Embiid. The question then is on the other side of the floor, who's got Giannis. Right. I, that that's, that's the question every team has to answer though. Like Giannis is I, the, the bucks are a, I love the bucks. I'm not saying that because I'm on your podcast. I, I, Giannis is, I, I think the most likable athlete for in sure. any sport right now. He's yep. unbelievable. So I, I think the Bucks just kind of get slept on because we're, we, I say we as in just kind of people outside of Milwaukee yeah. are just, just know like, okay, Giannis is great. Like, yeah, we got it. And it's just that, that just kind of gets pushed aside. And then we see the Celtics. And, like, if the Bucks went and won the finals this year, I wouldn't be shocked at all. And I, I, I think they have every chance to win the finals this year. Yeah, you get Chris Middleton back into the fold. And I mean, he's going to be, he's played what, four or five games now? Six games? Yep. And then got a ankle sprint. So now he's probably going to miss a couple games again. He just got hurt last but, game. But they also got Joe Ingles, who they got in the offseason, hasn't played yet. And he's been playing with their G League team, trying to get his stamina and stuff up. So he'll be coming back here uh, at some point, too. I would imagine he's back by Christmas, would be my guess. Uh, so then the, you, now you get somebody that can spread the floor, shoot the basketball, mm-hmm. give you another passer. Ingles will help this Bucks team a lot from a bench perspective. And Milwaukee's in that same spot that that I talked about the Warriors being in, where it's like, okay, the regular season's a regular season. Yeah. But what what do they look like in March? And if Chris Middleton and Joe Ingles and, and Holiday. Drew Holiday and, and Giannis are, are healthy and playing well in March, like who... Like you said, who's stopping Giannis? Nobody. Like that's just just not a thing. So if you get enough from their supporting cast, like I just, I don't. I get that the Celtics are kind of the flavor of the month because they went to the finals last year and they're they're awesome. Like don't get me wrong, but I just they feel have like a going, rookie head coach, and to yes. me that stops me from saying they can beat the Bucks. And I am not a huge Bud guy. I stopped bashing them. They won a championship. I said, okay, I'll lay off. I'm yeah. good. He won a championship. He's yeah, that's enough. I'll, I'll stop. Bucks Twitter has not stopped. They're always on Bud. But <laughs> and where is that, t- Twitter still on Steve Kerr? Yeah, so. Missoula though and Boston very well may end up being a great head coach at some point. Mm-hmm. To me, I think it's very difficult for a first year head coach to go win an NBA Finals. I don't care what team you give them. I think that's tough because when you get into seven game series and stuff like that, where it's constantly making adjustments, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times those guys get exposed. Unless they've got a bunch of gray hairs on that staff that have been right. through the battles, been through the playoffs, and and help in a large, large way at some point. Yeah, and Jason Tatum last year in the finals was I, I get he was really good against Milwaukee, but in the finals that just wasn't super impressed. Correct. And I'm 
is that a is that, I don't want to say like he can't do it, but like I gotta I gotta see that first. The same way I gotta see Zion play into play into May. So I'm I'm super optimistic about about Milwaukee in the East, and I think it's just a team that everybody's just kind of penciling in the Celtics right now. And it's like, dude, there's still good teams. Like <laughs> the East, yeah, no I, I, I agree with you. The, the East you is going to be a gauntlet in the playoffs. And Cleveland, you know, to their point, they're long. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking, start talking about Evan building Mobley, about building a wall against Giannis. They've got mm-hmm. the length with Allen and Mobley and those guys. They can build a wall against Giannis and make his life very difficult. You just saw it the other night against Houston. Uh, the Rockets beat the Bucks. They were running this two, three guys at Giannis and building mm-hmm. a wall and not letting him get to the rim and stopping him and making other guys have to have to beat him. Milton gets hurt in that game. They don't get enough from their bench scoring other guys. Um, and it doesn't work out. I think a lot of Bucks fans too, Kyle, are thinking that Grayson Allen very well may get traded here uh, by mm-hmm. the deadline for somebody else. Now, who that other person ends up being, what position they're looking for, I don't know. But that would kind of add another element to this because I don't think there's a lot of Bucks fans super impressed with what Grayson Allen has given them. Obviously, defensively, he was horrible last year in the playoffs after the Bulls series. So he wasn't very good there. Bucks fans were livid. Um, and now you come back this year, and offensively, he's had his moments, but it's not that consistency that you're looking for. All that dude's job is is to shoot the three. That's it. That's all you got to do. Yep. Sit there, shoot the three. And if you can't shoot the three at a high level, then it doesn't make much sense. And when you look at this Bucks team as it currently sits with Holiday, Javon Carter, who nobody really knew about prior to him ending up on the Bucks last year when he came from the Nets, <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, has I'll play Grayson Allen, you know, throughout. The question is, if it's Carter and Holiday in the backcourt, because Carter's not that big of a dude, you know, how are you defensively? He's a better on-ball defender than Grayson Allen, but you have a huge size differential. Right. And would teams take advantage of that when you get to a postseason and not a regular season where teams are just kind of kind of going through the motions and, and running their game plans and aren't really game planning like they would in a postseason matchup? Yeah, that's that's kind of the big... But that's where that's where coaching comes in. And I guess that's where, you know, like Steve Kerr has managed to navigate around Steph Curry being on the court. And like Steph's not a horrible defender, but he's a not a great very defender. good defender. Yeah. And Jordan Poole, like there's so there's way Jordan Poole, especially like you could see teams just keying on him and really trying to make his life hard on the defensive end last year. And that's where I think a guy like Coach Bud is going to earn his money because you can't. I mean, is if your title hopes can't be riding on Grayson Allen, right? Correct, Javon no. Carter. Like that's no. <laughs> so it, it's it's coaching around that, and I, I think I, I'm not as close to it. I think Bud's a good coach, but again, I'm not. I'm not, you know, dialed into the Bucks night in and night out. So you guys know better than I would. Yeah, there's a lot of nitpicking that goes on <laughs> uh, with Boonholzer and, and Bucks fans and so forth. And then the other thing too is this, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this before we wrap this up. Your thoughts on Giannis shooting? free throws after games are over. He was in Houston doing it again. He's done it after every game this year, I think. Um, and it all got blown up in Philadelphia with the ladder incident and everything else that happened because mm-hmm. some dude kept putting the ladder in front of him and not letting him shoot free throws. What was the take <laughs> out in San Francisco about Giannis attempting to shoot free throws after a game on the road? I don't, I don't mind it personally. Like if the, now if the road team wants to be like, yeah, yeah we're locking up, like we're not going to help Giannis get better or right. allow Giannis to try and get better. I mean, fine, but I that's part of why I rock with Giannis. Like the guy is always trying to get better. And that's that's just, you know, he 
he's got guys coming out talking about how he's not skilled and he's only seven feet and all he has to do is run and dunk. And it's just like, there's so much more to his game than that. Um, but free throw shooting is obviously not something he's good at. So I, I love the fact that he does that. And I love the fact that he has the stones to do it on a visiting court. And that's shout out. It's funny to me about that. And my, 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 the thing that irritates me is when you have a guy named Shaquille O'Neal, his Uh whole career was based around his physical size and -hmm. throwing the ball in people's faces. That's what it wasn't based around. It wasn't based around a 15 foot jump shot was certainly not based around a three point shot. It wasn't based around free throw shooting or anything of the sort. It was based around him blocking, rebounding, and dunking. That was his whole career. And did he want to be better than that? Was he satisfied being that way? It appears, you listen to Kobe Bryant back in the day and so forth, that he was completely satisfied doing what he was doing and had no intention of growing his game anymore. Giannis, on the other hand, does more than that. And yet Mm -hmm. everybody from that era wants to come at him from time to time about what he can't do. But nobody ever brings up from that same era what Shaq didn't do and didn't want to do in that same generation. That, to me, is just mind-boggling. It really is. Truly mind-boggling. Duncan (laughs) expanded his game. Ewing expanded his game. You could go down. Akeem Olajuwon, oh my God, the dude was unbelievably skilled. Shaq had no interest, and nobody brings it up. Actually, so so I worked at NBC, our our regional NBC affiliate out here for a while. And Doug Christie, now an assistant coach oh, at yeah. the Sacramento Kings, was yes. uh, a, an analyst that time at NBC. Yep. And love love Doug. He's great. Uh, My 15-year-old desperately day, misses him on the broadcast, by the way. Yes. Oh. <laughs> misses him <laughs> so bad. Just does not like the current announce team for Sacramento. Uh, okay. Oh, he loves I, Matt I've, Barnes. I've loves takes, Matt Barnes, but, but does not yeah. like the announce team. All right. Go ahead. So, so. I asked him one day because we're we're really we're relitigating the the O2 Western Conference Finals yep. where there's the the foul on on Mike Bibby that didn't get called and so we we're kind of and it just got to talking about the Lakers and I asked I was like how did Shaq not average like forty and thirty like how did he like he was obviously great he's a Hall of Famer he's, he's, but how did he and <laughs> Doug was like he was too nice like he didn't want to hurt people yep so that was like he just didn't go as hard as he probably could have. Yep. And that's, that was, that was shocking to me. I, I just never, I Too never nice. considered that. Think yeah. about that for a second. Crazy. Too like, nice. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but yeah, Giannis I mean, just isn't that like Giannis is like, obviously, but you don't win MVPs and you don't carry a team to a title by not being skilled. Like that's just, that's such a silly thing. And he's obviously so much better now than he was three years ago or Hell, four years yes. ago. Yeah. And it, and then, like the block he had in the finals a couple years ago, yes. like that's mm-hmm. just different. Like, dude, like dudes don't just do that. Like, the, if every if every guy who is a seven foot freak athlete, I don't know if he's technically seven foot, but a six. 10, I think six, he's, I think he's over seven foot, but he does not want to be known as a seven. Foot. Right, uh, Kevin Durant yeah. had the same thing. Kevin Durant standing next to Tim Duncan, they're the same height, and he's like, yeah. no, I'm six nine. Like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> but but he's a s- legit seven footer who's a who's a freak athlete. There's been a lot of seven footers who are freak athletes. And they don't make it in the NBA, but Giannis has, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like there's the the disrespect that that comes to him from current and former players is is insane. And I think about this, especially because it's so likable. You take a lot of these guys that were AEU basketball players, played yes. since they were kids, played yes. all the way up with coaching and everything else, playing against all these other great players when US was clearly the dominant country in basketball. All mm-hmm. the way up, they had all this competition. 
Giannis was in a YMCA league, literally just picked up a basketball like a year or two prior to actually getting to the point of being drafted and was just kind of figuring it out. The the man got to Milwaukee. John Hammond had to teach him how to drive in the practice facility parking lot of the Cousins Center (laughs) and getting in a limo to go to Walmart and like thinking it was the best thing ever. Having his first slushie, like to even wrap your mind around what it must have been like for that dude to come to this country and play right away. When they drafted him, I, I did a draft show every year. When they drafted him that night, I said, this is going to get John Hammond fired. Like, what the heck is he doing? He's going <laughs> right. to get fired. And John right. Hammond told me, he said, listen, you can't hold, take a, you can't hit a home run if you don't swing for the fences. We are not going to get a superstar to sign in Milwaukee. That's the reality yeah. of the situation. This was the most upside player where we were. And if it works... Great. If it doesn't, then I'm out of a job. But this was the best chance we had to get a superstar player. And Larry Harris, who is in the Golden State Warriors organization, who was a GM in Milwaukee, had a similar conversation with him on draft night or right after the draft when that that draft, that 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 one, that specific draft for the Bucs might be the worst in Bucks history from the aspect of they had like the what the second or third worst record in the NBA that year. They get mm-hmm. to the lottery. That was the Greg Oden, Kevin Durant, Al Horford. Yeah. Oh, Those were the okay, first yeah. three. Okay. So at the end of the year, you know, hang nail for this Bucks player. He's out for the year. Uh, this guy uh, stubbed his toe. He's out for the year. So <laughs> they were full in. Like we're getting one of these three guys. And I was like loving it. I'm like, thank God. It was the only year to that point, And I don't know if it's happened since that the three worst records, none of them ended up with the top three pick. Not any one of the three. It was the only year. They would have picked three. It would have been Horford. They already had Bogut and Red. It would have been Horford, Bogut, and Red, and Bucks history would have been completely different. You never would have had Giannis, probably, whatever, but they would have been a hell of a lot more competitive than they ended up being. So instead, they take E.G. on Leon at six. That's Mm. who they ended up taking. And I remember going to Larry going, what are you doing? What like you're hell? going to get yourself fired. And he pretty much said the same thing that John Hammond said, Sparky. I got to take who I think has the most upside and the most talent for this team. That's mm-hmm. who it appears to be. That's what we're going with. So that's what they went with. And later he lost his gig, obviously. But, I mean, so there that, was some, there was some residual scarring from that when they took Giannis then. Uh, yeah. Cause I came to me, it came right back to mind. Like I have already seen this movie. It failed. Right. What are we doing? And especially, Especially the one thing since- you don't know, though, right, Kyle, is you don't know the work ethic. You don't know the drive. You don't know the heart. You don't You don't know everything else. You just see some grainy YMCA film of this gig playing. You're like, okay, yeah, he's faster than these, like, grown-ass men that are really slow. Great, but what's he going to do when he gets here? And his work ethic, obviously, documented, it's crazy, you know, through the roof. And then Jason Kidd you know, letting him have the, the letting him meet Kobe Bryant and that relationship that developed, I think was my, it was instrumental him having a relationship with KG because of Jason Kidd and that mm-hmm. mindset. I mean, you're talking about two dudes that both have the mindsets of it's me against the world. It's me right. versus them. I'm not here to hang out with everybody after the game or whatever else. I'm here to be a killer. I'm here to win. He got both those two in his head and you know, away he went just crazy. And got those like during his foundational like basketball development. Yeah. And I just don't know how you get better than that. With you don't. Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant. Like and Jason Kidd, I'm telling you right now, not liked by a majority of Bucks fans here. Just <laughs> thought he killed Jason. Sure. Thought he killed Giannis because he wouldn't let him shoot threes and blah, 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 blah to this day. And I'm always defending Kidd uh, at every turn about the good things that came out of having Jason Kidd right. here 
one way or the other. And I guarantee you, Luca is benefiting a ton by having Jason Kidd in his ear helping him uh, as they go through the motions uh, out there with the Dallas Mavericks. Kyle, thanks so much for coming on, man. And follow him on Twitter at Kyle A. Manson. Uh, always entertaining. He doesn't have 15 trees in his house, but we're working on yeah, it. We're going to we're gonna get him there. We're going to we're gonna get him. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, thanks so much, man. Appreciate thanks, you. Mark. Appreciate you. Take care. Check him out. 95-7, uh, The Game in San Francisco. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 